Welcome to episode 242 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Fast, Feast, Repeat, the comprehensive guide to delay, don't deny, intermittent fasting. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi friends, I'm about to tell you how to get 20% off one of my favorite things for truly taking charge of your health including testing something we talk about all the time, your insulin levels. So to live your healthiest and longest life possible, you need to understand what's going on inside. Inside Tracker takes a personalized approach to health and longevity from the most trusted and relevant source that would be your body. By using data from your blood, DNA, and fitness trackers, Inside Tracker gives you personalized and science-backed recommendations on things that you can take control of to optimize your health. What I love about Inside Tracker is that Inside Tracker tests provide optimal ranges, not conventional ranges, for over 40 biomarkers, including magnesium, vitamin D, testosterone, cortisol, ferritin, which is the storage form of iron that is rare for doctors to test, ApoB, three key female biomarkers, and something I am so excited about, Inside Tracker recently added insulin testing to their ultimate plan. Friends, I am thrilled about this. We talk about insulin all the time on this show. It is so relevant to your metabolic health and your lifespan. In particular, insulin tracking is an early warning sign for several chronic diseases and is a key indicator of energy optimization. It can really let you know if your diet, if your fasting is working for you, you want to test your insulin. It is so hard to get doctors to test insulin, and now you can do it with Inside Tracker. The thing I love most about Inside Tracker is that they have a strict science-backed approach to everything they do. If your specific biomarker level is unoptimized, Inside Tracker actually provides recommendations that are backed by dozens of peer-reviewed studies and personalized to you. This process was set in place by their founders that include experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. And for a limited time, our audience can get 20% off their ultimate plan, which includes testing that insulin when you sign up at insidetracker.com slash IF podcast. So if you're ready to get a crystal clear picture of what's going on inside your body, along with science-backed recommendations to optimize what's not working, then visit insidetracker.com slash ifpodcast. And one of the things I really love about Inside Tracker is it helps you track all of your results, all of your tests over time, so you can see patterns, see your history. It makes predictions of where you'll be if you continue on your current trajectory. It is a game changer for making sense of your 
Tracker Labs. I am obsessed with Inside Tracker. Again, you can get 20% off their ultimate plan, including testing your insulin levels at insidetracker.com slash ifpodcast. And we will put all of this information in the show notes. One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 242 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. How are you today, Jen? I'm doing great. How about you? Guess what I am holding in my hand? Water. No. Because <laughs> you just said you were going to drink some water before we started recording. So I just assumed. Well, I do have water. Guess what type of water the water is? Oh, Lord, I don't know. Some kind of weird, wacky water? Deuterium depleted. I knew it. I knew it was going to be that. <laughs> I'm holding a mug of hot water, some MT, 
Oh, man. So I'm going to guess that you're holding your serapeptase. I am. I knew it. It's so beautiful. Have you taken any yet? Yes, I have. So it came yesterday that like the box of my samples. Oh, the samples. That means I can finish the trademark registration. So last night I got the the bottle and I tried it for the first time and it was great. No GI issues. That's one thing I was a little bit worried about was GI distress because serapeptase doesn't really have side effects, but that is the one thing that is sometimes reported, but it felt amazing. And my brain felt so clear after, and I took some today and the same thing. I'm so excited. And then I was chatting with my business partner and he, wait, did I tell you this already? He put one. Oh, in the vinegar. And yeah. Yeah. yeah, I told you that. Yeah. I told you that last time. So I'm excited. Yay. It's good to see a plan come together. It's so interesting to see an idea manifest in its physical form in front of you. It really is. It really, really is to know that you could do this. I was always a big dreamer as a kid. Like I had all these ideas and I was like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And me too. <laughs> I believe it. And and you're like, wow, look, we did these things. I know you really can, you know, when listeners get it. So the logo, the Avalon X logo, the Avalon is my signature. And then the X is, it's like a DNA, but I um, designed that. And then they designed, I told them sort of what I wanted the the imagery to look like. And it just really came together very nicely. So by the time this episode airs, pretty sure it probably should already be in pre-orders if it's not sold out. So if you'd like to pre-order this supplement, which really quickly is an enzyme originally created by the Japanese silkworm, you take it in the fasted state, it breaks down protein buildups. So it can it can help with inflammation and allergies and brain fog, and it can reduce cholesterol break down amyloid plaque and fibroids and pain relief and all of these things. So the website for it is avalonx.com and the email list for all the information on it as well as future supplements is melanieavalon.com slash serapeptase, S-E-R-R-A-P-E-P-T-A-S-E. So that is that. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It's actually releasing as of this recording date this week, most likely. So like a midnight release thing. So we shall see. Anything else new with you? No, not really. I still have to finish recording my audiobook. So I've got that coming up. I'll be glad when it's over. I love all the people who love to listen, but Lord, it's hard. <laughs> it is really hard to read a book. And Cleanish has a lot of hardness in it, a lot of difficulty. Hard words. Yes. I'm like, why did I write that? Why? Why did I write that? I'll be, and I'll be like talking to the director and I'm like, can I just change this? It's like, no, that's a direct quote out of a journal. You cannot. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> why did they write it like that? Like how to say things. It's so hard. You know what I would be um, curious to hear? What? I think Fast Feast Repeat is on Blinkist. What is Blinkist? It's this. I don't know if it's like, it's a website. I keep hearing about it on Ritual, but it's a website where they they put 15-minute summaries of nonfiction books. So you can like learn a lot really fast. (laughs) I think your book is on there. I think. I feel like it might be. I think someone might've told me that. That sounds familiar. I don't really know anything about it. I was contemplating downloading it, not to replace researching books for my show, because I always have to 
like read everything, but just as like a recap at the end, kind of like a summary of the book. For Fast Feast Repeat? No, no, no. Just in general for prepping my other... Oh, I see. I, uh, for your... Okay. I was like, what? Why do, why, do, why do you need to listen to Fast Feast Repeat? Whatever. Okay. Yeah. Like prepping other books. Well, that wouldn't be a bad idea. I'd be curious if you listen to the Blinkist. Did they put in what you would want to be the 15 minutes? Oh, I don't know. See, that's the kind of thing uh, that would drive me crazy. So I'll probably never listen. I don't want to know. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of stuff is so frustrating. It's funny. So, all right. Shall we jump into everything for today? Yes. Let's get started. All right. To start things off, we have some feedback. This is from, oh no, we had this discussion recently. This is from, here we go. Andrea, 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 one of those, Andrea. (laughs) She sent this email to me, but I asked her if we could include it because I thought it was a nice email. She said, hi, Melanie. I'm really fan crushing emailing you right now. I have not had a good enough question that felt worthy of emailing to the show, but I want to take this opportunity to thank you and Jen for all that you do. I'm a 44-year-old that found intermittent fasting after a long battle with my weight and anemia that I later learned stemmed from methane-based SIBO that developed after years without an appendix and gallbladder. While everyone understands how the gallbladder works, did you know the appendix produces a probiotic that helps balance the microbiome? It's not so useless after all. I had never heard that. Had you heard that, Jen? I haven't heard that, no. But I'm not surprised that it's not useless because... You know, just because we don't understand what something is doing doesn't mean it isn't doing something important. (laughs) You know, that's like one of those things that never made sense to me. Oh, you don't even need it. It's just there. I'm like, I doubt that. (laughs) I wonder if there is anything that as a species did become purposeless that we lost that we don't have now. I don't know. Hmm, That's something to research. She says, after resolving my gut issues with high dose herbs, biofilm disruptors, and antifungals, then healthy probiotics and prebiotics, I started intermittent fasting and I've never felt better. I first started listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast and from there discovered your podcast. And she's talking about the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. She says, now I am into so many of the hacks. I'm sure my family thinks I'm nuts, LOL, but they have no argument when the results so clearly speak for themselves. I appreciate all you do to bring light to sometimes little known topics and speaking with the experts in an understandable way. So that was some great feedback from Andrea. For listeners, SIBO is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, and it's a um, gut issue that a lot of people, especially with IBS, often struggle with, and it can be difficult to address. So it's nice to hear that she worked out her gut issues and that intermittent fasting is really helping with that. Yeah, I think so too. And it also made me reflect by listening. You know, she's a, a biohacker now, listening to the biohacking podcast, And I think it's just perfect the way we each are so different. Like here we are together on the Intermittent Fasting Podcast, but we each have our different strengths here. But our strengths here have spun off into completely 180 podcasts, right? I mean, your podcast and my podcast couldn't be different, more different. You think so? Well, I mean, we both interview people, but it's like, I mean, we're not talking about biohacking on my podcast. It's making intermittent fasting a lifestyle on intermittent fasting stories. Yeah, it's personal stories. It's personal stories. It's day-to-day stuff. It's, you know, nitty-gritty of a life. Yeah, exactly. And mine is like all the random tangent rabbit holes (laughs) into all the biohacking. I just think that's interesting. We create a lot of good content. Yeah, but it's so different. 
I know. I know. But then it comes together here. Right. On this show. Yep. Well, good. Thank you, Andrea. Yes. Thank you. All right. We have a question from Sally, and the subject is best type meal to eat when breaking fast. I'm hearing protein slash good fat meal is best when you're breaking your fast. Wonder why I'm being told that. And is there any validity to it? What are your responses, knowing that Melanie likes paleo, so that kind of goes hand in hand, but Jen enjoys some carbs, including grains and starchy veg? So do you really care? You just eat what you want, or is it beneficial to do something more intentional? And should the big meal be first within your window, or would you recommend maybe eating a handful of nuts as a start, and then maybe an hour later have your bigger meal while in your window? Thanks. All right. So this is a great question from Sally. And something I'd like to clarify, because people often say that to me, people think I don't eat carbs. I might eat more carbs than gin every night. I don't know. I doubt it. (laughs) How many carbs do you think you eat? I mean, I don't count things. I just eat. I eat, I mean, pounds of fruit every night. So there's a lot of carbs. Well, I do not eat pounds of anything. So I eat pounds of meat, pounds of cucumbers, and pounds of fruit. (laughs) I just like eat a meal of food. I'm not eating individual ingredients like separately. I eat like last night, I ate a burger from local farmhouse burger, which is really good high quality burger. So I had grass fed meat. I had a whole grain burger bun. I had really high quality French fries. So that's not my typical meal. I I usually cook at home, but last night I was just craving a burger. And we actually were talking about it. Did I talk about it on the podcast? We're recording two days back to back. So did I mention that I wanted a good burger? I think I did. You definitely did to me. I can't remember if I said it on the air. Well, anyway, spoiler alert, I had one. So. (laughs) And how was it? It was really good. It hit the spot. You know, my body was craving that beef. So. Awesome. I mean, it wasn't like pounds of anything, but it was a nice meal. Yeah. I'm just trying to see how many carbs... It probably equals out to. Like what you're eating? Yeah. I just don't think of food as macros. Like, I just think of food. Like, like I, I am sensitive to the idea that my body doesn't clear fat as well, so I shouldn't, like, load up on the fat. But I'm still going to, like, if I'm having bread and butter, I'm going to put butter on there till it's delicious, you know? Not like a slab just to go crazy, but it's really good. Bread and butter are good together, so... I eat the food that makes me satisfied and that tastes really good. Like I add olive oil to my vegetables so that they roast well. You know, it's just, it's part of the cooking process kind of a thing. So yeah, I'll have to look it up later, but it's definitely a lot of carbs in the form of fruit. But as for her question, so the answer we always say, it's very individual. (laughs) You have to find what works for you. I think a lot of the concern about needing to be super specific and careful when you quote break your fast is in general likely more applicable when you're breaking like a much longer fast. So like an extended fast, like, cause there's this idea of like, you know, slowly reintroducing foods and yeah, I mean, that is not every day what we're doing. I mean, I, I don't have to be careful at all. I mean, there are some people who have digestive upset even with a daily eating window. I mean, there are. The people have like a super sensitive system, and if they're not opening carefully, they experience dumping. We hear it a lot in the community. I didn't know if you had, but that really is is something that happens to a a small, you know, segment of the, the people. 
never happened to me. Yeah, it doesn't happen to me either. But as far as like to break it with, so I think a reason people say like protein and fat is because that will likely fill you up fast. If you're trying to not overeat or get satiety signals soon, protein is often the macronutrient that really leads to satiety. And there's the whole protein leverage hypothesis, which says that we will eat to get our protein needs. So we'll keep eating in any given meal or situation until we get our protein needs. So that might be a reason somebody might want to start with the protein because they'll fill up faster. But it really is a matter of just what digests for you, what you like. Like for me, I would not want to start with something like that because that would really slow down my digestion. Like I do do a specific ordering to my food and it's because with that order that I found that works for me, I digest it well. None of the food compounds slow down the other compounds because I I tend to um, lean towards digestive issues. So I, I do have to be careful. I would just experiment and find what makes you feel good. Yeah, you see, nuts make me queasy on an empty stomach. So I absolutely would not start with a handful of nuts. That would be the wrong thing for me. You know, I, I talk about how I, a lot of things don't bother me. Well, tea makes me queasy on an empty stomach, and nuts make me queasy on an empty stomach. And I also don't think protein and good fats on their own would feel good to me. That would probably also make me queasy on an empty stomach. Make you queasy? Yes. My stomach needs starchy carbs. That's funny. That settles my stomach. If I ever have an upset stomach, if I just eat a big hunk of protein. Oh, God, no. That will always settle my stomach. Nope, nope, nope. Opposite. When I was sick last week and and not really hungry, like I couldn't even look at meat. I didn't want meat. I wasn't interested in meat. I was like, Chad, you're in charge of your own dinner. I, I just can't. I cannot eat any meat. I mean, I did eat eggs. Eggs sounded good. But it wasn't like a big piece of meat, like scrambled eggs. I was eating, you know, like egg sandwiches, that sort of thing. So I was still getting protein that way. But I absolutely did not think I could eat meat, which is why when I I suddenly felt better, I was like, now I need a cheeseburger. Isn't that interesting? That's so interesting. If I ever have an upset stomach or if I'm ever sick, the thing I will crave is just like pure animal protein. Oh, and a grilled cheese sandwich. I always crave a grilled cheese sandwich. Grilled cheese sandwich and apparently egg sandwiches. Oh, yeah. We talked about that I because I've never had an egg sandwich. So good. Scrambled eggs on bread. Mm. So the whole moral of the story is we're all very, very different with what makes you feel great, and you're just going to have to figure it out. The person who is telling you to eat a protein slash good fat meal, probably that's what makes them feel the best. So they're like, well, everyone should do that. But that doesn't make it true. I did have an experience, though. Like the different foods, if it has a big effect on you, you can really notice. So for example, I, at my birthday dinner this past week, it was amazing. And so I was having wine and I had fish and mushrooms and everything was delicious and I was feeling satiated. And then they brought out so many random things that most of them I didn't eat, but they did bring out this dessert plate. (laughs) They told me it was gluten-free. And so there was a strawberry gummy bear thing. I was like, it's my birthday. I'll just eat this. So I ate it. It was tiny and it was so sweet. I ate it after eating a full meal and then I was starving. It was such a good moment to experience just how, how much of an effect the foods can have. Like I went from being like completely full and fine to starving from a tiny little gummy bear. That's so interesting. Because it made my blood sugar drop. 
reactive hypo, I'm guessing, or just like that craving from the, um, the sugar, like switching over to that mode. Shall we move on to the next question? Yes. So this is a question from Paul. The subject is you guys. <laughs> Paul says, how did you guys get to be so funny? <laughs> I don't think we're that funny. but Well, I just realized that my zipper's down. So that's kind of funny. I'm fixing it now. <laughs> Sitting here with my zipper down. You wear zippers. I'm wearing jeans. I wear jeans all the time. I don't remember the last time I had a zipper that was not a dress. He says, truth is you brighten my day with your always upbeat conversation. Will you ever take your show on the road for some live tapings? And of course, will you start with Boston? Doubtful. That does sound fun though, but we first have to meet. Yes. Atlanta is where we'll start. So this is just a little fun fact into podcasting. The setup for recording in the same room is drastically different from the setup. That is true. Yeah. For the setup, like right now, it would be a completely different setup. It's harder. When I was at the beach in August, I had to record two episodes with people live and they were just not as good. Like I recorded one with my friend, Michelle. I mean, she's amazing. I don't regret that we did that. I love that we did that. But, you know, like sounds are different and trying to share the same, you know, microphone. Did you share a microphone? We did. I was just listening. You sent me a podcast yesterday. I'm not going to say who it was, but I listened to it. And I noticed they had wacky quality of sound. On both sides? Well, the host, the main guy, the one whose podcast it was, he there was like a beginning part. And that part was really professional sound quality. And then the part where he was interviewing his guest, it sounded like he was like in his car or something. I don't know. Or maybe on his phone. It sounded like maybe he was on his phone. But I just thought that was interesting. So I, I don't get real stressed out. Is The point of my story is not to criticize someone else's podcast, but that it makes me feel better because I know that, you know, sometimes if I have a guest, the audio is not perfect and I don't let that stress me out. That's my point. And, and I was listening to this amazing podcaster who had great content and I really enjoyed it. And thank you for sending it to me. But, and I just noted that the audio wasn't amazing and I didn't judge it, but it made me feel better about myself. That was why I told that story, <laughs> you know, anyway, that, you know, it might not be perfect, but it's, you know, actually my director told me that when we were recording the audio book, she's like, podcasts can be recorded in, on the street, but you know, for an audio book, it has to be perfect. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I have had a few requests on my other show to do it live. So I remember when I, I haven't released this episode yet, but I did an episode on hyperbaric chambers and um, I'm like friends adjacent with the guy, like he's a friend of a friend. So he was like, you should come down to my hyperbarics and like, we'll record from the chamber. I was like, no. <laughs> He was like trying to convince me to do that for a month. Seriously, though, it doesn't have to be perfect. Just have some fun. Well, so here's the other thing. So like, and then I had Brad Kearns on recently and we've become really good friends. And he's like, we're going to do another one. We're going to do it live. And I'm like, no, no, no. Because here's the thing. So with my other show, well, it might be different if it was more casual, like talking again with Brad. But in general, I have so much prep work that like, I need my notes. I need to not have the camera because I need to be like, basically I like have to be in my zone as the way I perceive myself as a performer. Like if I was in real life with these guests, it would add a whole nother aspect of me being aware of like what I look like. I a hundred, a hundred percent. I get that. Yep. People have been like, why don't you, you know, 
do a video of your podcast too, and then you can put it on YouTube like so many people do because I don't want to. I don't want to be on video while I'm recording with someone. I, I take notes while we're talking. You know, I take notes of what my guest is saying, and then I circle back to things, but I'm writing, and I don't want to have to think about how my face looks and... Do I look weird? Yeah, I get it. So do you do video? Well, we can see each other while we're recording, yes. Okay, but you don't want to like air it. But we don't record it. We don't record the video. No, no. I have no desire to record that and, and air it. Me too. I'm I'm that plus one step more. I don't even let the other guests see me because it would just take me out. Like I have so much going on in my head when I'm doing those shows. I can't, I, <laughs> it would like stress me out too bad. I enjoy being able to see the person. We like, you know, we see each other. That's okay. Sometimes if if we have weird like internet, we'll have to turn off the video and I don't like it as much. I like to be able to see the person I'm talking to, but I don't want the world, I don't want to have to worry about, you know, because when I'm being recorded, like sometimes someone will record me for a podcast and it'll be video and it just feels, it feels like I have to be like on in a different way that I don't want to be. It like, you know, is a different thing to think about. So I feel like most of the shows I go on I don't seek out going on other podcasts, but if people invite me... Ditto, yeah. And it's like, which is a good problem to have because I know a lot of people, you know, would die to be on some of the shows I've been on, but most of them are video and it is, it is a completely different experience, but it's easier for me on video if I'm the one being interviewed because then I'm not, I'm just answering the questions. That's true. Yeah. So the one I did this week, did I mention it on the show that I did one with Bill Tanser? New York Times bestselling author, but he's going to come on my show. I know you told me. I can't remember if you said it on the show. It's funny. I could tell, especially interviewing with him, we were very similar. We were talking about this. Like, we see the world kind of the same way. And he understood, like, right from the beginning. I told him I didn't really want to do video if that was an option. He was, he totally understood. So I do appreciate that. I mean, obviously, my dream is still to have like a talk show, and that would be completely video, but. <laughs> Uh, that would be different. I wouldn't mind doing a cleanish, a cleanish television show. Wouldn't that be fun? I know. Like Marie Kondo came in and like, you know, help people say th- goodbye to their things. I could go in and help people, you know, get cleanish with, you know, in their bathroom or their, you know, their makeup or their pantry. Maybe I could produce your show. That would be fun. Like, I think I would have fun with that because it's just me and regular people and here we are and let me help you with this and look at this product. Can you believe it? You know? Yeah. Like, I would do that. That would be fun. I love people. Like, I love hanging out with people and talking to people and doing stuff with people. Yeah. This is why I want like a talk show. I like people in like a controlled setting. Like, so I would want everything to be very controlled. Yeah, I'm the opposite. I'm like, let's just see what happens. <laughs> and this is why I want like studio audience. <laughs> I want like the lineup, like everything is very much on point. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like when the people have like the card that says applause, then everybody would applaud. More so just the outline of where it's going to go and the segments and, you know, we're going to do this at this point. And yeah, I'll let the audience person handle the audience, but I would die to have a show with an audience. Like that would be so amazing because it would be like doing the shows that we do now, but then I would get to like interact in real time with like people reacting to this stuff. Oh, it'd be so fun. Goals. Yeah. Well, Paul, thank you so much. I'm glad you think we're funny. Yeah. We get to do this for a job. That is so, I can't believe it. I'm super grateful. Me too. I really love it. Me too. 
I really do. So now we have a question from Phoebe. The subject is IF and weight gain. And Phoebe says, hi, I first want to say how informative your podcast is. There is so much, quote, bad science out there, and I think it's great you are both espousing so much reliable knowledge to your listeners, so thank you for that. I started IF about two weeks ago. I found 16 hours tough in the beginning, but now I can get to 19 to 20 hours before wanting to eat again. I've been doing HIIT or strength training with small weights for about an hour each day. I feel great during the fast, and I love waking up with a flat stomach. I had no issues switching over to clean fasting within the first week and only have black coffee and water in the day. My issue is I have not lost any weight and instead I keep fluctuating around the same mark. Some days I eat more and others less. I only really ever seem to go down on the scale if I drink wine the night before, but I don't know if that's due to dehydration. I'm five foot seven and 24 years old, but I've gained about 20 pounds, about 10 during quarantine that I'm desperate to lose. I'm sensitive to dairy and I have digestion issues when I eat high fiber foods such as rye bread and bananas and also cruciferous vegetables. I can eat in very small doses and be fine, but too much and I get stomach pains slash gas slash bloating. I don't know if I haven't given it enough time or if maybe I'm eating too much in these meals and I should calorie count. I really want IF to work and I'm sad at the lack of my own progress. I know, Jen, you say that I might be getting smaller slash building muscle, but all of my genes are still tight. Do you think it's something to do with cortisol levels or water retention? No. Would love... I know. I know Jen's been like dying this whole time. No, I do not. I do not think that's it, Phoebe. Okay, sorry. <sighs> Go ahead. Keep going. One more sentence. One more sentence, Jen. Okay. It's none of that, Phoebe. All right, go ahead. Would love your advice on the issue. Sorry for the giant mega essay. Phoebe. I highlighted three words. I Wait, can I guess what they are? Yep. Two weeks ago. Yep. Those are the three. Those are the three words I highlighted. That's all you need to know, Phoebe. You just started two weeks ago. And I mean, there's no diet plan in the world that is going to cause you to lose like amazing amounts of fat quickly. Right. I mean, you might go down really fast on the scale on you know, certain diets you've done in the past, but you know, we don't lose fat that quickly. But with intermittent fasting, we definitely do not lose weight quickly. It sounds to me like you probably have not read Fast Feast Repeat. I would really recommend that you read that. Anyone who's starting out is not just because I want to sell you a book, I promise. It's because I think it's valuable. You know, if I just wanted to sell people a book, delay don't deny. I could have just kept selling that one. I wrote Fast Feast Repeat because I wanted a better book out there. And I'm really proud of Fast Feast Repeat. So I would recommend if you're starting out, take the time to listen to Fast Feast Repeat. If you don't like to read, it's on Audible. I read it to you. And I want you to start with the 28-day Fast Start chapter. And in that chapter, I'm very, very, very clear that you should not expect weight loss in the first 28 days. That's because your body is learning how to do something new. You're learning how to tap into your fat stores for fuel. So you're like fasting during the day. Then you're you're also working out in there. And then you're eating. And then, you know, your body's doing all these changes. So a lot of things are going on behind the scenes. But what your body is probably not doing great yet is burning fat and metabolically flexible and all the magic that we want to have happen. So I don't think that it's that you're, you know, building all this muscle and you've lost all this fat. I mean, it's only been two weeks. So 
I also want to encourage you to read the Scale Schmale chapter. That is a very, very, very important chapter. And it talks about all the different ways that I want you to measure your progress. The scale is a tiny little piece of that, especially since you're doing high-intensity interval training or strength training for an hour every day. I mean, that is going to lead to muscle building. I mean, I'm not saying that's what's happened already because it's only been two weeks. But you are going to probably see body recomposition with the combination of, you know, fat burning once your body is adjusted. And then now you're doing this, you know, this high-intensity interval training and strength training. So you're going to be, you know, building muscle well. So you're going to need to use a lot of different tools to, to measure your progress. And the scale is likely to be the least effective especially since you only have 20 pounds to lose and you're young, you're 24 years old. So you're probably going to be better at building muscle than, you know, someone who's my age. You're going to need to use things like progress photos, honesty pants, measurements. And if you just are desperately staring at the scale, you're going to be really, really disappointed because you will probably find that you get down to your dream body And you probably aren't going to see the actual number on the scale you think you need to see because your body is going to change so much. But it's way too early to be stressing about that for now. You got to give it a long time. I mean, it might take you, you know, 20 weeks to get to your dream body. And like I said, it might not even be the number on the scale that you think it's going to be ever. Just you got to let go of that, that number and instead focus on what your body does. And, you know, your clothes, your measurements, your progress photos, that is really the best way to judge it. So, you know, I don't want you to be all worried about, oh, my gosh, I got to change everything because this isn't working. You know, your body's doing what it's supposed to do. Just keep going. And don't be sad because, again, two weeks is not very long in the whole scheme of things. I really have nothing to add to that. I think (laughs) our next question is actually similar about as far as like weight loss. So maybe we can see if there's any nuance to be added for Ashley's question. But yes, hopefully Phoebe, feel free to write back and report back if you are still having issues way down the road. Yeah, because I think that's really important. You really have to give it the, you know, the long-term approach. And even if you are using the scale, it can be an important tool, but you still have to focus on your overall trend. You know, I talk about in Fast Feast Repeat, why it's important to weigh daily if you're using the scale and calculate your overall trend. You know, there are apps that do that for you, like Happy Scale. I like to do it at old school because that's just me. I wrote it on paper, got out my calculator, added it up, divided by seven. I even put it on a little graph by hand. There was just something pleasing in, you know, plotting it. It made me feel like, here I am, I'm plotting it on my graph, you know. So, Knowing the overall trend is really important. So we have a question from Ashley, and the subject is windows, endurance, sports, leaning out. All right. She said, first off, let me say that I love you ladies and feel like we are friends. I have never been into podcasts until I found you. My dad actually said, you need to listen. They are like you. Oh, I love that your dad said that. That means your dad is listening. Hi, Dad. All right. Ashley's dad. All right. She said, and I've been hooked ever since. I am an elementary school counselor and have been following a paleo slash primal diet for seven to eight years. I began IF 16-8, not really knowing what it was, and only stopped for pregnancy with my twins. I had to eat to help my morning sickness. I just completed two marathons and run half marathons about four to five times a year. 
In addition, I teach group fitness class with high-intensity interval training, weights, and cardio two to three times a week. I still have a hard time just saying HIT. I think they say HIT, right? Yeah. I always say H-I-I-T. So she said, sorry for all the info, but I feel like it's helpful to have the background. Yes, Ashley, we like the info, so thank you. She said, I currently alternate between a 16 to 24-hour window. I play around with what works for that day with Sundays very relaxed. Here's my question. I'm looking for fat loss. Do I keep my window more consistent and pass the 18-hour or 20-hour mark always? Do I forego my paleo treats in my window? Do I focus on carbs? Please help and keep up the good work. Thanks so much and keep on keeping on. Much love. So does she say how long she's been doing IF? Uh-uh. See, that's the thing. So I have no idea. I vote that we approach this like she's been doing it longer. Well, she, it sounds like she did it and then she got pregnant and stopped doing it. And then she started doing it again. If it's the situation where she hasn't been doing it long, then she can apply the Phoebe answer. True. So we can answer this now for if it has been longer. Yeah. First, I wanted to comment though on the morning sickness. I have not aired the episode yet. I'm not sure when it's airing, but I interviewed Dr. Michael Platt and he wrote a book called The Miracle of Bioidentical Hormones. And he talks a lot about morning sickness and makes a huge case for supplemental progesterone to resolve that. I don't have any experience with morning sickness and pregnancy and progesterone, so I can't speak to it personally. But for any listeners that are pregnant and experiencing that, that might be something to try. And I've been using his cream every night. I've been using progesterone for years, but I switched over to his cream and saw a huge, huge benefit. And then on top of that, my sister, I don't know, I might've shared this on the show already, but my sister had PMDD, which is basically the really intense diagnosable form of PMS. And she's had it for like a decade and she's tried so many things and she started taking the progesterone cream. And he says in his book, and I'm sorry, this is a tangent. He says in his book that it'll just go away. And I told her about it and she started taking it and it just went away after 10 years. She was shocked. I was so happy. I was like, he really makes it sound like this will resolve it. And she'd been dealing with this for so long. So I will put a link in the show notes. I do have a discount code. Michael Platt is the brand. I think the code is Melanie Avalon for a discount, but that's just a resource for morning sickness. But back to the question. So Ashley is doing a lot of activity. Just want to note that. So, okay. Assuming you have weight to lose because she doesn't... Yeah, she sounds like she's trying to lose fat and she's maybe having trouble with that. Yeah. So the important things to focus on is the diet that provides the nutrition that you need, especially when you're doing all of this exercise. So all of the protein, all of the nutrients, but is ultimately two things. One, supporting the fat burning state. Of course, with intermittent fasting, the fasting is creating that, but you can really tweak that even more by, you know, finding the the dietary macros that your body burns very efficiently and lets you really go into the fastest state with no hunger and continue the fat burning mode. And then also, if it's fat loss as the goal, focusing on foods that really fill you up without adding a huge 
surplus of calories because a lot of people think, oh, I'm fasting, so it doesn't matter. And I'm not saying that you think this, Ashley, but a lot of people might think that they're fasting, so it doesn't really matter the calories that they're eating. And again, we're not about counting calories. We already said we don't count calories. But choosing the type of foods that are not going to necessarily create a massive calorie surplus, especially calories that are easily stored, can definitely have a huge effect on weight loss. Like, what are paleo treats? She said, does she need to forego paleo treats? See, I don't know what that might even be because I've never tried to do paleo. I don't know what that is, but a lot of paleo treats are often things like nut butters and lots of nuts. Like very nutrient-dense, but also calorically dense. So like in my book, for example, I'm just thinking about the recipes in my book. I have recipes for like brownies made from like avocado, like avocado brownies and cakes or things like that made from like almond flours instead of normal flour. I do find that the, I mean, it depends what they are, but the paleo treats can often be pretty high calorie. Um, So the point of all of that is you can eat too many calories in your eating window so that you don't lose fat in your fasting window. So you can really choose where you want to focus and try different things. She also asked about, do I focus on carbs? So I, I do think if fat loss is the goal, looking at macros to find the macros that work for you and experimenting is a really good way to go. So maybe low carb works for you. Maybe low fat works better. Maybe one works at one time. Maybe one works at another time. But if trying a low version of either one, so either low carb or low fat can often work really well. If you are having those paleo treats, you know, cutting those out can help really well. Ashley might not be eating this. It might not be in her quote paleo protocol, but just for people in general, you know, if they're eating massive amounts of things like, like cheese, especially after, (laughs) I already thought this already, but especially after reading Dr. Neil Bernard's book, The Cheese Trap, I think, I don't agree with everything that he says, but he does make a very big case for just how incredibly fattening cheese is. So like if you're eating massive amount, even maybe not even massive amounts, but a lot of cheese in your window, you know, that could really be stalling weight loss. I think nuts can often stall weight loss. Well, then also she asks about like, does she need to actually, you know, change the window? Does it need to be consistent? Does it always need to be longer? What I would probably do, and I feel like I'm all over the place right now is I would probably first find the window that you're liking if a consistent window does work for you. And then if that's not working, I would tweak with the food choices and I would really just go in the order of what feels right to you. So maybe it's trying to just cut out these treats or maybe it's working on the macros, but yes, things can be done. Oh, and focusing on protein. I would also be very cautious You know, if you're really, really doing a lot of physical activity, you know, teaching group fitness classes two to three times a week, I mean, you probably need a longer eating window. You need to fuel your body because, you know, we talk about how intermittent fasting is not a problem for women, but over-restriction is. And if you're really hitting the gym hard and, you know, restricting your diet and, you know, intermittent fasting and pushing it more and more, that does turn into a state of over-restriction. So you just have to kind of find the balance so that it isn't overly restrictive for your body. I just think that's really important. You know, we've gotten to the point in society where we're like, well, let's just do more. Let's do more, you know, high-intense, you know, 
intensity training. Let's have a longer fast. And really, maybe you just need to like, you did say Sundays are very relaxed. That's good. But that doesn't mean you need to just keep pushing it more every day necessarily. But I feel like you already know, Ashley, because when you said, do I forego my paleo treats in my window? I think that was you kind of knowing that might be it. You know, there's some things that are really easy to eat and it might be something that's like perfectly on plan, but that doesn't mean that it's helping you with your fat loss goals. This is just me personally. The thing I love about fasting and the eating window is I don't ever want to restrict the quantity of the food I'm eating. And I don't want to ever have to feel like I have to stop eating. And I'm not saying anybody has to do that, but when I focus on just whole foods, so I don't make these paleo treats. I don't eat nuts. I have been eating actually like fat-free cheese recently. I've been experimenting with that, but I don't do like high fat cheese or anything like that. If I eat the certain foods that I eat that are all whole foods, I really can't just eat as much as I want. It's going to support for me either like maintenance or weight loss. It doesn't really lead to weight gain. Whereas if I added in, at least for me personally, things like this, it could be made from the same substrates of quote paleo foods, but when they enter this more processed form, it's a way to eat a lot of more processed calories really fast. And I might not be able to, you know, just eat unlimited amounts of that. So yes. All right. That was a lot, but I feel like it was good. All right. So now we have a question from Jennifer. The subject is feeling full. And Jennifer says, hi, Melanie and Jen. I love your podcast. A friend of mine suggested IF and she suggested that I tune in. This is the second question where it was suggested by somebody. I know. I love that. She says, I'm so glad I did. I spent years yo-yo dieting and it was awful. I've been following 16.8 and I'm about a week in. I feel great already. I've been told for years by my doctor and herbalist that I'm insulin resistant, but I didn't want to accept that. I finally have the mindset that it's time to take control and feel better. Here's my question. I have noticed that during my eating window, I get very full very quickly. I've stopped eating and found myself super hungry during the fasting period. I clean fast. I don't want to force myself to keep eating during my eating window either when I feel so full. Suggestions, I want to get my nutrients in, but I don't want to overdo it. I'm eating very little carbs. All right. So Jennifer, I'm going to give you the same advice I gave a few questions ago, and that is that you are still like so very new. You are, what, one weekend? Yeah. You you are not at the point yet where you're you're really tuned in to what's happening in your body. The whole idea of appetite correction, that that's a term coined by Dr. Burt Hearing, and I talk about it in Fast Feast Repeat. So if you've got Fast Feast Repeat, go to that chapter about appetite correction and read about it. I love the concept. Basically, the idea is that our bodies are born to know when we've had enough to eat so that we stop eating. All the animals in nature, they eat, they stop eating. You know, you don't see obese lions out there. You know, we only see that when when animals are like human fed. <laughs> we start feeding them the things they're not supposed to eat. You know, like we start feeding the ducks the bread, then now the ducks are having problems. But as long as we leave the animals alone, they know what to eat and how much to eat without even counting a calorie. They just stop. The thing about intermittent fasting is once your body adjusts and you're, you know, tapping into your fat stores during the fast and you're feeding your body nutritious foods during your eating window, 
you can reconnect with those natural hunger and satiety cues that your body has. It does really help that you're eating real food, though, because just like those ducks that overeat the bread, because they're not really supposed to be eating that bread, but we're feeding it to them and they just keep eating it. Same with us. You know, if we're not eating enough nutrients, then, you know, we're not going to hear that we've had enough to eat. But my point is that your signals are all out of whack because you're still early on. So give it some time. You know, you're going to be hungrier during the fast now in the early days than you will after your body adjusts. So just be patient with your body. Read the chapter again, like I said, on appetite correction. And really just, you know, no, you do not want to force yourself to keep eating if you feel full. That is 100% true. But if you're really, really starving, you know, during your fast, that could just be the adjustment period and that's going to get better as you go. That's such a good reframe. She was obviously thinking that the hunger was from the not eating enough, but it might just be the lack of adaptions. So let's say she's down the road and she's been doing IF for a few months, like for anybody who had been down the road and are still experiencing hunger. And if it is from not eating enough, what do you recommend in those situations? Well, I mean, that usually doesn't happen. I mean, especially, I mean, she's got an eight-hour window. I would have a really hard time with the idea that she couldn't figure out how to eat enough food in an eight-hour window. Like, you know, you could put two meals in there and that's, you know, it works its way out usually after you're adjusted. This is not something that usually keeps coming up after someone's adjusted. Okay, perfect. I think you answered that. All right. So we have one last question from Carla. The subject is hormones. Carla says, I have heard that IF will help regulate. She says she's not sure what the exact word is, but your hormones. How long does this typically take and how can you tell it is working? When I asked this question to an IF Facebook group, they couldn't answer it. And they just asked if I have insulin resistance. I have no clue. How do I know if I have insulin resistance? I am so confused. Well, that, you know, this is a very broad question. Like, will IF help regulate your hormones? And the answer is maybe yes, maybe no, depends. (laughs) Depends on which hormones. Now, I totally understand why they asked if you have insulin resistance because, That is one hormone that intermittent fasting will help you regulate, your insulin levels. So when they asked you, do you have insulin resistance, that was kind of them saying, well, if the answer is yes, you have insulin resistance, then yes, intermittent fasting will help regulate that. So, you know, hormones are such a broad topic in your body. You've got a lot of different hormones. You've got thyroid hormones. You've got you know, metabolic hormones. I mean, you've got so many different female hormones. I mean, even vitamin D is a hormone. (laughs) Right. So we can't tell you, you know, how intermittent fasting is going to impact all those many things that are going on in your body because it's, it's like a balancing act. Like, you know, one thing happens over here and that changes something that's happening over there. And so intermittent fasting does help get a lot of those things into balance, but it just really depends on what your underlying conditions are. So we can't really say this is what IF is going to do because we we can't know. And it just depends on so many individual factors. So, you know, if you don't know if you have insulin resistance, then, you know, maybe you don't. But if you're overweight, if you've been struggling with your weight for a while, you probably do. And if if the answer is yes, you've been struggling with your weight for a while, then probably, yes, intermittent fasting is going to help with that aspect hormonally and help with your insulin resistance. Yeah. And I think as far as, I mean, Jen said it really well, like 
I mean, hormones are, it is such a broad turn. And I think we do throw it around pretty casually a lot. I mean, I already earlier was talking about hormones with, I mean, progesterone and that whole world, that's all hormones. I think a reason that IF does in general help hormones in general is that a lot of the hormonal dysregulation today often does come from our our diet. So the foods that we're eating, eating constantly can encourage a lot of hormonal dysregulation. And so having this fasted period, it can regulate in a way or potentially help certain hormones, definitely on the insulin resistance front. So that's a very specific area of hormones that's dealing specifically with insulin, which is a hormone that's involved with your fuel use and fuel storage. So in the dietary aspect of hormones, it's most likely going to really help with that. But then beyond that, all the other hormones, the female hormones, I think in general, it tends to help a lot of people, but it really depends on what is your personal hormonal issue as to how it's going to affect that or what it's going to do. So it's a very broad question. You could work with a a knowledgeable practitioner though, if you wanted to check on some hormones, actually some different resources. So like Actually, for example, if you listen to the the ad on today's show by Inside Tracker, they test, for example, some hormones. Not a ton of them, but I think they test and they they look at certain blood markers that correlate to metabolic health and longevity. They test the test that they think you need to be testing to really get a picture of your metabolic health. So they test DHEA, testosterone, and sex hormone binding globulin because they feel like those are the most important hormones to be testing for metabolic health. So you could check out their panel if you'd like to look into that. And then beyond that, you could work with a physician who could do other hormonal tests. You could do a Dutch test if you want to look at hormones specifically related to women and estrogen and estradiol. And that is something that you need to look at on like a 24 hour, I think it's 24 hours that you do the test and it's a urine test. Insulin would be something that you could test. Doctors don't test it that much, but you can ask for it. Your HOMA IR would be testing your insulin and comparing it to your, I think your your blood glucose. And that can give you a good marker of insulin resistance or insulin sensitivity. So it's a whole world. I encourage you to work with somebody on it. But in general, I do think a lot of people experience hormonal benefits with fasting. Yep. Absolutely. The thing that's so important for people to understand is intermittent fasting is an amazing tool for health, but it's not the only tool and it doesn't fix everything. Exactly. It also doesn't cause every problem that you might have. I mean, you know, it it isn't the cause of everything or the effect of everything or the, you know, the fix of everything or the, it's just, it's a tool that's really useful. It will always be in my toolbox. But sometimes I need a different tool for for a job, right? I got a hammer in there, but sometimes I need a screwdriver. Yes, exactly. I really think that phrase, like when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail, is a really enlightening phrase. Because <laughs> so many people think, you know, when they're looking through a certain lens, they might think everything is one thing. So that, you know, fasting will fix everything or that all the problems are from fasting. But there's so much more beyond that. Exactly. So. Alrighty. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful. A few things for listeners before we go. If you would like to submit your own questions for the show, you can directly email questions at ifpodcast.com 
or you can go to ifpodcast.com and you can submit questions there. The show notes for today's episode will be at ifpodcast.com slash episode 242. Those show notes will have a full transcript as well as links to everything that we talked about. And then you can also follow us on Instagram. I am Melanie Avalon and Jen is Jen Stevens. Jen, I tagged you today in a photo. Did you see that? Oh, okay. No, I didn't. It's the flowers you sent for my birthday. Oh, I'll have to look. Well, good. Yeah, I'm I'm just not really on Instagram a lot. So I'm, you know, I'm trying to still decide. But I will definitely look and see the flowers I'm looking right now. Oh, there they are. Ooh, it looks all all fancy. See how they bloomed? Yeah. You see how they're huge? They are huge. Because when I first sent you the picture, and I should have taken it so that it wasn't all the green ones, because there's a lot of pink ones on the other side. When I first sent you the picture, they were closed up. Oh, by the way, random side note. You know how I told you my cucumbers died and I had to start over? Yes. Now they're growing again up the windows. And and today is the first day that a flower, there's like a massive flower. So after this, I got to go pollinate them with my with my pollinator. Oh man. I'm excited. Well, have fun. I will. And you have fun. All right. I will. Actually, I guess I'll talk to you after Thanksgiving, right? Yeah. That's when we're recording next. So have a fabulous Thanksgiving. You too. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember that everything discussed on the show is not medical advice. We're not doctors. You can also check out our other podcasts, Intermittent Fasting Stories and the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.